0: uh, Take a moment to say thank you for those who are tuning in online. Now, throughout these upcoming weeks, throughout the Lenten season, as we talk about the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, from the meal until the crucifixion, we we thought about bringing in an anchor verse that's going to put everything together so that way every week, in the midst of having different scripture references, something that holds us together. And that is going to be found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So that's our anchor verse throughout these weeks during the Latin season. Today we're going to start in the, about the Lord's Supper, and I'm going to invite you to please open up your Bible as you have them to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning on verse 23. If you don't have your Bible, the words will be up on the screen. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. So the Bible says this, For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone... Who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking this cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick. And some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you are really hungry, eat at home so that you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. Let me just pause for a word of prayer. God, we come before your presence in the time of this service when we receive of your word. Let your spirit continue to move as we begin this series of the 24 hours that change the world as we bring the theme and the topic of the Lord's Supper. Bless us, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the ministries, and the, but I've been in pastoral ministry about almost 19 years, and I've done a lot of funeral services. In the midst of uh, providing that pastoral care for the loved ones, I also hear afterwards when uh, a year later, and almost every year, as they go back to the site of the cemetery where the tombstone uh, is, and they remember their loved one that no longer in the physical uh, realm is with them, but they remember them. They go to their site on the day, some people uh, go on the day of their birthday, some people go on the day of the uh, wedding anniversary that it would have been, some people go to the cemetery site when it's, uh, if they served in the armed forces, whether it's Veterans Day or on the military uh, uh, weekends. There's different reasons why people remember, go to the sites to remember their loved one whether it's a family or a friend, because they remember their life and how it, they got impacted. Some people go and take uh, flowers. Some people go and, may, and, and give mementos of, uh, of family photos. Some others are maybe uh, put flags, the American flags, as again, in, in memory of them for those who served in our armed forces. There are different reasons, but one of the things is is certain is that they want to go and remember them. When we think about our loved one, usually when I do in the funeral services, I usually tell the folks to savor the sweetness of memories and put aside any type of bitterness. Maybe there was unspoken grudges or or the sharing of love for each other, and so therefore they can't say it physically to that loved one anymore. So any type of bitterness that is living in their lives, to put that aside and to savor the sweetness of memories. You know those memories that all of a sudden you're you're, you're going by somewhere that you had a, 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 a lifetime change there or something funny, and... You remember them, all of a sudden you start uh, chuckling or you start laughing. Or maybe it brings a tear to your eye because, again, that your loved one is no longer around you. But you remember them. I want to share with you that every year, it's the same for the Christians. It's the same for those who follow Christ. Every year the Jews uh, celebrate the Feast of Passover, to commemorate the liberation of the children of Israel as commanded by God, as found in, the, in uh, Exodus chapter 13. Well, let me share a few things of what they went through. While they were in Egypt, the people of God were slaves. There came a moment in time when God called Moses to go over to Pharaoh to tell him, let my people go. However, the Bible also tells us that God hardened the heart of the Pharaoh and did not let them go. And in fact, it, it, was, it didn't become easier. It became more difficult, more harder for those, the, the, the people of God, because of his reactions to things. All in all, and in, in the midst of all that, the story says, you know, the, the, the history says that God sent 10 plagues to that area. The 10th one was the death of a firstborn child. But the people of God were instructed to put blood on the sacrificed lamb in the doorposts of their homes. That way, when the angel of death came around, they would be passed over and their firstborn would be spared. When they come together to celebrate Passover now and remembering their ancient, you know, those individuals back then, They bring about the Passover, it's the Seder table, the Seder plate. And in fact, uh, here's a picture of a sample of a Seder plate. And here are a few examples of what they can find in the Seder plate to remember them. The Karaset is a sweet salad of apples, uh, uh, made of apples and nuts and wine or grape juice and cinnamon that represents the mortar by the Hebrew slaves when they made the bricks. Bitter herbs brings tears to the eyes and recall the bitterness of slavery. The Seder refers to the slavery in Egypt, but people are called to look at their own bitter enslavements, such as, you know, the addictions or habits. One of the most striking symbols of Passover is the roasted lamb, shank bone, which commemorates the lamb that was sacrificed the night the ancient Hebrews fled Egypt. And another one, I know I'm not going to go through all of them, but the last one I want to share with you is the egg. The roasted egg is a symbol in many different cultures, usually signifying springtime and renewal. So when it comes to Passover, Passover is a celebration of spring, of birth, and rebirth of a journey from slavery to to a freedom. We who are considered uh, Gentiles also take time to reflect and remember. But we do so not in the form of a Seder meal, but at the uh, table of Christ by method of communion. In our church, we um, provide and offer communion just like today, on the first weekend of each month, unless otherwise indicated. But I also know, and you may know of other churches that provide and offer communion every time they gather on Sundays. Whatever the frequency, communion is a time of, rem- of remembrance and reflection. So today, one of today's passages, that says, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body which is given for you. Or another manuscript that says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of of men. This is Jesus sharing about the Last Supper. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice as the perfect Lamb of God. His body was broken and given for our sake. See, Jesus told his disciples this about body being broken before he was tortured, before a crown of thorns was placed on his head. He knew that his body would be broken. On verse 25 that I read, Jesus took the the cup of wine after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. They believe that here Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, beginning on verse 31. For it says this, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt, they broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is a new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I love the ending of that scripture right there. To hear those words where it said, the Lord wants us to have him as our God, the God that we worship, that we shall have no other gods before him. And just as important is that he wants us to be his people. In Corinthians 11 verse 28, the Bible provides us with another answer to our second point. It says there that we should examine ourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So the second point I wanna share with you today is that we need to examine our hearts before we receive the elements. There should be no anger. When we examine ourselves, there should be no hatred. There should be no guilt. And there should be no any other type of emotions just like that whenever we prepare ourselves to receive the elements of communion. Communion is not given to those who only consider themselves to do good. We are all in need of God's grace we need to examine ourselves repent of our sins ask for forgiveness and start anew now some say that they are good because they do good things to people now it's good to do good things to people but the bible also tells us that our own righteousness are like filthy rags and yet There are those who say that they aren't sinners. And when they say that to me, I usually say, oh, be careful. Be careful. There's another scripture reference in the first letter of John, the first chapter, beginning on verse 5. Hear me out here. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess, I want to make sure you understand this, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So ladies and gentlemen, it behooves us. It's been a while since I said that word. It behooves us to take time to ask God for forgiveness. We will add a time during the the consecrating of the elements and communion today to take a time to reflect, take time to evaluate, take time to ask forgiveness and repent of our sins to God by yourself. And I'll lead you through that. When it comes time for communion, we need to come before God's presence to take the bread, to, take, to drink of the cup, examining ourselves, but as a forgiven people. The bread and wine were given for you and me, but we should also be careful of how we receive it. In the midst of examining yourself and you come forward, for example, we do it in the method of intention. That means that one of the servers will uh, will, will take off a piece of bread and will be able to give it to you. And they'll say the words, this is the body of Christ broken for you, or the body of Christ broken for you. There are folks who go and they they do it automatically, it's like a routine, and they forget to hear those words. When we examine ourselves and we ask for forgiveness, as we're coming forward, we should be in a sense of reverence and, and reverential fear, saying, God, I can't believe that you have died for me. I can't believe that your body was broken for me. I can't believe that your blood was shed for my sins, but here I am, God, not for what I have done, but what Christ has done for me. In the midst of all that, ladies and gentlemen, we examine ourselves. But what happens is there are times that even people that I, I've seen, you know, throughout my ministries of nineteen years, and I'm serving, and I say this is the body, and all of a sudden people snatch it from my hands, and I'm like, you know, like trying to finish it out. They grab it and they keep on going. They dip it real quick and keep on going. Are they take a moment? Slow down, examine yourself of why you're coming before God's presence. When you go there, instead of snatching it, ladies and gentlemen, be able to come with open arms, more of receiving. I encourage you to start doing that today if you can. This is just one form of doing it. If you open, if you get both hands and you stand in front of the server as they say, the body of Christ broken for you, the body of Christ given for you, and you receive it. Let the server place the bread in your hands. Reflect and evaluate what you're hearing them say to you. And then as you go and grab the bread, and the person next to them has the cup, we have a grape juice, it's not wine, but we have grape juice, so that way anyone can come to receive communion. And you dip the bread inside that chalice the words are saying this is the blood of Christ shed for you receive those words and as you go and you take and eat and you go back to your seats reflect upon what god by an thankful heart reflect what god has done for you through christ evaluating ourselves don't snatch the body of christ is given for you if you're going to take it It's because you're receiving it and you're taking it with you as you go out these doors today. Out into the world to share the love of Christ with others, to let them know how Christ has forgiven you and has given you the strength and ability for you to forgive others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 33, the Bible says, So dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other, brings us to my final point today is that it is important that we receive communion together in the methodist denomination as i shared earlier we use grape juice instead of wine allowing for all people of all ages to come and receive communion because it is the grace given for everyone today we heard a short explanation of why the jews celebrate the passover meal the Seder meal every year. I also share that Passover is a celebration of spring, of, of birth and rebirth, of a journey from slavery to freedom. But when we think, ladies and gentlemen, about the Holy Communion, what we're able to do, we can think of as a moment in time where we go from slavery to sin in our lives, to freedom that can only be found in Jesus Christ because of his perfect and ultimate sacrifice. Similar to what happened in Passover. Remember that the, the, uh, the people of God were instructed to put the, the blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death can pass over. Let us mark the doorposts of our hearts, of our minds, of our lives so that when the death that we were to experience due to sin will pass over us so that we will experience life and life eternal in the presence of the Almighty God, our Father. Can I get an amen to that? His body was given for us. His body broken for us. We remember this with the bread. His blood shed for us as a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. We remember it with the grape juice or wine, depending on what church you go to. I'm going to ask the servers to prepare themselves as we prepare ourselves, our hearts and minds, to receive communion today. But I want to share something with you as I was preparing for this message. This is one of the acts that Jesus did before he was crucified. He knew that his blood was going to be shed. He knew that he was going to go through torture. He knew that his body was going to be broken. When he was at that meal... In the midst of that was his friends, his disciples. One of them, ladies and gentlemen, was going to betray him. He knew that already. One of them was going to deny him. He knew that already. Others were going to turn their backs and run away. He knew that already. But he decided to have the last meal with them ladies and gentlemen if Jesus decided to have a last meal with them whatever type of guilt if we have denied him if we have betrayed him if we have run away from the things that he wants us to do the table is going to be set it's a method of invitation is never forced Jesus extends that invitation to all of you here today We're not talking about members of the church. We're talking about the body of Christ. Where people of all ages, from all backgrounds can come and receive communion as an examined people, as a forgiven people to come before his presence. So the same way that he was with his disciples many years ago, his presence through the Holy Spirit is with us today. We can think of how as part of the meal that evening before he gave himself up he picked the bread he took bread and he gave thanks he then broke it he told them take and eat for this is my body broken for you do this in remembrance of me and after the supper he took the cup he gave thanks and he told them, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And here we are today, ladies and gentlemen. This is one of the best weekends that I love to come and worship with you because we, come, we can come together for communion, remembering what Christ has done for us. Not that we deserve it, but we're so thankful. So with a thankful heart, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to pause for a word of prayer. God, we're so thankful. Some of us have denied you. Some of us have rejected you. Some of us have turned our backs, and we've run, we've run away from the you know, things that you want us to do. So in this very moment, God, before we come to the table, by method of invitation is not being forced, but the Bible and the word today, you remind us that we have to examine our hearts before we take the elements of communion. So God, as we examine our hearts, we wanna take a moment to ask for forgiveness, repent of our sins, To let go of the guilt and condemnation that we have felt for years or, or months or days. Things that we cannot carry anymore. Place it in your hands and ask for forgiveness. We are reminded by your word today that you will not only forgive, but you will also cleanse us. So God, at this very moment, we just take a moment to examine our lives. And to ask for forgiveness. Hear us now. God, we're so thankful that in the midst of examining and sharing our, uh, asking for forgiveness, that you can change our hearts, Lord. Make it ever true. Being, having a thankful heart that we're able to now, as a forgiven people, come before your table together. Where your grace is enough for all not for what we have done, but what Christ has done for us. The same Christ who is with us today by the presence of the Holy Spirit, same Christ who taught his disciples how to pray. And we continue with that prayer when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses